Last week, um, we uh, just touched into the fact that, um, as the early church did, um, God invites us to disempower all of the cultural idols and the powers that are at play in our world. And we, and we started to look at some of that and, and replug our life of worship because those idols only get power because we give them authority. We give them authority. Addictions have power in our life because we give them authority. Um, relationship expectations have power in our life because we give them authority. I don't think we understand that as God's highest created order, human beings, I don't think we fully understand the revelation of what it means to be a human being. Partnering with God to steward his creation. But we see it in Jesus, don't we? And God says, come on, be conformed to the image of my son, Jesus. Be like him. And so we get to come into that life. Um, We've been developing this conversation over the last few weeks about what is koinonia or koinonia. And what does it mean for the early church to have this life of living together and serving together and being devoted to one another? And, you know, week one we kicked this thing off and we looked at the whole idea of what does devotion mean? What does it mean to be these people that share hearts, share resources, share life? And it's this living underneath the generosity of the Holy Spirit being poured out all the time. Not just once, not just back then, but back then was the start of the gates of the floodgates of heaven opened and the Spirit being poured out onto all flesh and continues to be poured out and continues to be poured out on all flesh. What does it mean to live under that, to share our hearts, to be these people that walk on the mountaintops and we're not scared enough, we're not scared to walk in the uh, valleys that, that life bring with it as well. We're these people who've learning to under, uh, understand what it means to walk together as the people of God, to overcome and give ourselves to this idea of being devoted to fellowship. Aren't I meant to be just given to Jesus? Well, yes, that's right. That's the starting place. The overflow of being given to Jesus is being given to others. Secondly, Scott, he also did this great little bit of teaching on week two about what it means as koinonia to let God love us through others. And he talked about how the power and the economy of the kingdom of God flows through this love of God towards our life and often through people. God sends people to our life to love us and we don't get, or well, we don't get to choose who he sends to us. We do get to choose whether or not we're going to receive what God is sending to us though. And often it's our biases, it's our brokenness and our stuff that says, well, I'll let God speak to me through them because they look like they've got their stuff all together. But those guys, no, nah, they offend me. How could that person possibly be a voice of God's love and presence to me? And Scott invited us to, to journey into a place of being able to learn to receive the love of God. It's a really big thing. It's one thing to give the love of God, 
but it's just as important to receive. And then last week, we, um, we kicked into the whole idea of walking through the process of disempowering the idols of our culture. And we talked about them like isolation is an idol. Fragmentation is an idol. Alienation, transience is an idol. I'm only going to let people be so close to me. They're getting too close to me. I'm moving on. Transience, the depth of human relationships. Privacy, consumerism, complacency, alienation. All of those big things that are hidden in the life of our culture, in, particularly in, you know, in Australia as well, big time. We don't see them as much because they're not like a carving, are they? They're not like a carving that stands at the, you know, the corner of the room where you have to bow to it or sacrifice to it. It is an idol, though. These things are idols. They have great influence over our life. And we were talking about how Jesus invites us to overcome those spiritual and cultural idols by living the kingdom story. If you haven't heard those three messages, I want to encourage you to go back online on SoundCloud and have a listen to those three messages. Hey, grab your Bible, Acts chapter 2. If you haven't got your Bible there, it will be on the screen. And we're going to pick up in verse 42. These five little verses here. The fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's such a romanticised picture of the church, isn't it? When we read that, we kind of have this glory image. But you've got to understand, these are just people who are sweating it out, doing their daily life, doing their trade, small business people, people that are looking after their house, teachers, nurses, doctors, Luke was a doctor, he was the guy that recorded this. These are are people that are, you know, tradespeople, grandparents, young and old, these are just everyday people of Jesus sweating it out, trying to follow Jesus and bring and cultivate his kingdom. And today I want to just touch on a few things that, um, you know, Nicole and I have learnt over the years about a life of cultivating the kingdom of God, a life of koinonia, participating in fellowship. First one is this, is learning to live with hearts that are alive to God. This, this whole thing, you, like last week I said, koinonia is, fellowship is what we do because it's who we are. It, it's an overflow of the heart. That's the starting point. The starting point in all of this is not an instruction list, not a, a, a duty list, not a, it's an overflow of people who have encountered Jesus and their heart has been radically transformed and born again and is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And the overflowing reality of the living God in their heart has completely and is continuing to transform the way they understand life and relationships. 
It's about learning to live with hearts that are alive to God. Our hearts have been born again into relationship with Jesus. And as Wimble says, this leads us into relationship with people. Our hearts have been reborn into God and come alive because he is alive in us. And we have been sucked up into who he is and what he's doing. Often, you know, through the years, depending on the history of where you come from, you know, um, what part of the church or how you entered into the kingdom and, and the body of Christ, it depends. But often there's been this like, you just need to welcome Jesus into your heart. Well, that is true. But in the process of doing welcoming Jesus into your heart, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, it's no longer me who lives but Christ who lives in me. In other words, it's not Jesus somehow fitting into the nice parameters of my heart and my emotional intelligence. His spirit comes and dwells there. But at the same time, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ now lives in me. So our heart has gone through this supernatural transforming reality where Jesus' heart now lives in us. You're going <laughs> to... It it's a killer. It is, Michael. It is a killer. And Paul says it. I've been crucified. That's his polite way of saying, I've been killed by the goodness of God. I've been killed by the goodness of God. He's taken this heart of mine where I'm king and he has forgiven me and transformed it so that it's his heart alive in me. He's the king. Koinonia begins in the heart. These people in the book of Acts, it began in their heart. Their life was transformed by Jesus. Our hearts have been reborn into God and therefore we come alive as he gives us his heart for our world and the people around us. Our hearts have been forgiven. Therefore, we now choose to posture ourselves towards others with forgiveness. I guess the really big deal here is that Nicole and I, for Nicole and I, this fundamental understanding of koinonia, of doing fellowship, of choosing to keep on turning up and being with people and posturing ourselves for people is because Christ lives in us now. Now there's lots of argument that takes place between what Jesus wants and what I often want. But it becomes a question of lordship or kingship, doesn't it? It's like who's lord, who's king? Who gets to have the final say <laughs> in all of this? The reason why we keep posturing our life and cultivating koinonia and participating in fellowship, it's because Jesus lives here now. This is his property and he gets to have the final say about what he wants to do through our life. We sang this song just before, you are worthy of it all. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to listen to what we're singing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. It's all from you. It's all to you. It's all about you. You're worthy of it all.
That's why koinonia is an overflow of the worthiness unto Jesus. It's our worship to him. If you're struggling to cultivate koinonia and fellowship, there may be many reasons for this. But koinonia, fellowship, is a lifestyle of overflow. So for many of us right now, we struggle to fellowship with others. And there's many reasons why. But we'll touch on those in a minute. But koinonia begins in the heart. Secondly, koinonia is, is this cultivating koinonia, is this place where our hearts learn to welcome people and release people. Welcome people and release people. Now, we love it, don't we, when s- someone new steps into our life, a new work colleague, a new friendship, a new relationship, someone new in the life of the church, someone new into our small groups. It's like, oh, yeah, it's so good to have a new person. Welcome. So good to be, be with us, you know. And it's like, and then you start the relationship journey. You go through some high points, some low points, but in the thick of it all, what tends to happen is you move closer and closer together. You begin to get more and more connected. But then, for many reasons, people begin to move out of our lives. Sometimes it's because God's calling them vocationally to go to another town, to go to a job, to relocate. And it's like, those ones, while hard, are good. You know, they're hard to let go because you love them dearly, but you can see the goodness of God on their life and it's, he's calling them. And so you go, yeah, bless that. You know, you see that in our, as our kids are growing and our grandkids are growing. It's like, yes, yes, but oh, the ache because it means they're on their way and I have to let them go. There's also people and places, uh, people that, where releasing is really hard because... People have made judgments about you. Where their separation from you is really them saying, I can't stand you. I can't be near you because you've, you offend me. You've made, for whatever reason. Or the other reason why people begin to move away from us is because um, you and I may have made judgments about them and they want to be near us but they can't. Because of our judgments, our bitterness, our brokenness, our stuff that wants to leak out. And it's hard there. Those releasing moments are hard. But kingdom people are brave enough under the Holy Spirit to both welcome and release. Who is the Lord asking you in this season of isolation, cultural isolation, and spiritual fragmentation, who is the Lord saying, would you welcome them into your life for my sake? Would you welcome them in? Sometimes matters of offence and judgement, misunderstanding, the inability to forgive sometimes, because we want to do it in our strength and on our terms, and we can't be gracious Releasing is hard. Who is it in your life right now who's moving away from you because it's really relationally hard?
and ask the Holy Spirit, how can I release them with blessing? You know, one of the hardest things about the gig that Nick and I are involved in, about trying to somehow be these servants who lead in, in Jesus' church locally and all over, the, all over the place, is that we find ourselves standing in front of people all the time as part of that. We find ourselves sitting with people all the time. And, the, and there are so many opinions and understandings and expectations that people aim towards us. I'm, I'm never going to be your dad, okay? Nicole's never going to be your mum. We can't fill that space. And we can't pay for that either. But Jesus can. Jesus can. We can't be your mum and dad. We can't be your prophet. We can't be your priest. We can't, but Jesus can. He's the great high priest. In days of gone by, God spoke to us through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ, the writer of the Hebrews says. But Jesus can. Jesus can and has paid for all of the relational deficit of those who lead, have led you historically and even those who lead you right now. The only reason why people, people lead you is because you give them authority to lead. Don't forget that. <laughs> it's, it's your call. But empowered people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the great struggles that we have to continue to contend with is to, um, you know, help challenge people's expectations of why they're gathering. You know, not so long ago, I got called a, a false prophet. I've been called worse. I've been called a false prophet, a false teacher. I've been called like, I got no idea, you're um, phony, you name it. <laughs> it's just like... Get, get the list out, you know? <laughs> That's just, that just happens when we put our life in front of other people. I really want to encourage you in this season, take all that stuff that isolates and separates that we empower by giving, giving yield to our offence and our brokenness and our sin and just ask Jesus to come and release you from that so that you can begin the journey of further welcoming people into our lives. Um, thirdly, living with hearts that are daily being added to. You know, one of the things that Luke observed there was that God added daily to these people that had this life of koinonia flowing out of them. God added daily. Now, that means God will bring people along that he wants you to connect with and them to connect with you. At that point, right at that point, is where we need to ask ourselves, this, um, or we need to confront this thing that says, I've got no more room in my life for any more people. That's just a fundamental lie. It's just a fundamental lie. It may feel like that. 
it may, you're, it may feel like that, but it's actually not true. Because koinonia, the people that live under the Spirit, are daily being added to. There's this rhythm of the Spirit, of the kingdom of God in our life where God will bring people into our life that he needs you to love for him as, as his people, as his ambassadors. Like, that's, you're not in my diary today. It's not your diary. <laughs> your diary is King Jesus's. So often it's about happenstance and being for, quote, you know, Johnny on the spot. Just happened to be there and there was this person. Or I was just sitting there and they came along. Or I was in my office and the door, there was a knock on the door. Daily. Not monthly, not annually, not (laughs) daily. Are we living with hearts that are postured for a daily receptivity of the people that Jesus is sending to us in the workplace. Tomorrow might just be that day where that person that you struggle with and that you really like, I wish they would just move on, that they might come to you because you've actually prayed a prayer for them. You know, that one that came out of frustration. Oh, God, would you do something with them? I can't handle this anymore. Well, they might actually turn up on the door. Daily, because you prayed a prayer. And the Lord honours that. Living with hearts that are daily being added to. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources. Is what we usually tell ourselves to justify our no to God and to ourselves and to others. The truth is, you and I have all the time in the world. The truth is that you and I have all the time in the world and it's really about honouring the presence of the Holy Spirit informing, leading and empowering our life and the rhythms of God. We have got all the time in the world. He's the beginning and the end. He owns all the time. And lastly, living with our hearts open and alive is really about our homes as well. Gosh, if there's one thing culturally we struggle with the most is letting people into our actual home, our actual property. When we're embarrassed about letting people into our home, it's actually a reflection of what we're embarrassed about in here, about ourselves, And our lack of understanding who we truly are as God's kids, loved by God. And he's made us precious in his sight. And there's only one of us, like Ephesians 2.10 says, where his workmanship created for good works. And it's the overflow of that. That is our homes. We're worried that people will reject us if we welcome them in and they see that mess. I remember many years ago, Nick and I, we, we, um, we welcomed this young guy into our home. We were in our early 30s. We had one, one child, Caitlin, at the time. She was only a newborn. But this young guy, he was kicked out of home. He had nowhere to go. He turns up here. What did we do? Well, maybe we could, we could put a bed in the, in, the, um, in the garage and set up a space. We only had a small, really tiny little home, so we did. We just set up a little bed in there and everything and just said, come on in, mate. You just live with us for the next couple of weeks until we can get your life you know, connected to where it needs to so you can get some health again. And we were like freaking out, like, what's he going to do? We've got a newborn in the house. And we're just, you know, our lives were like trying to, 
piece it all together, being a new mum and dad in the middle of all of that. And then God sends this young bloke along. He was 16. That young bloke, over a little bit of time, found himself in a relationship with Jesus, gave his life to the Lord, made a public declaration of his faith in the Lord and was baptised before a whole bunch of people and then went on to get himself a job and then moved towns because of the vocational opportunities that came his way. He still sends me a message every so often. It's really great to hear how he's doing. Who are we welcoming into our home? Our home is an expression of our heart. I couldn't tell you the number of people that have ruined our couches, who've put their feet on our coffee table, who've broken our glasses, smashed our favourite coffee cups, put their handprints on the wall and done all sorts of other stuff in our home. I got a list. Like if we started to list it, it'd be like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I can't tell you the number of times I've tried to grow the front yard, the lawn, but I can't because people keep parking on it and ruining my grass. I can't tell you. Our home is an expression of our heart. Is our heart open to the welcoming the people that Jesus is sending? This posture of opening our home can only happen because we continue to open our heart to God, to the Holy Spirit. We've got many reasons and many moments and many people that we've welcomed into the heart of our home. And then they've gone and just like done really like hurtful stuff to us. And then we've had to go through the journey of, can't, will we open our home again? Risking following Jesus. And we continue to do that. We have chosen to sacrifice. We've chosen to sacrifice our time, our resources, our lounges, our furnitures, our pantry, our power bill, our home and our life together to make room for who Jesus wants to send along into our life. How about you guys? Jesus is inviting you in this season to be devoted to fellowship. It's not an optional extra. It's not a like when I get, it's actually an overflowing reality of the Holy Spirit. We overcome by overflow. If you're upset with someone, the last person that you let into your home because of the way they treated you and treated your home and you can't get past that, do the Jesus thing. Go and forgive them. Just forgive them and move. Move on, move out from underneath the weight of that. If you've been judged or if you have judged, go and ask them for forgiveness. If you shut your heart down towards another, ask God as to why you're doing that. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is calling you and calling me in this hour to live a better story. Remember that quote from Scott McKnight, just to finish with, up there? The church, we'll pick up on the bottom part there. The church which is kingdom fellowship under King Jesus, counters all of those other idolatries. The story of new creation. And supernatural power looks like everyday people just working it out with God and with each other for a greater story, the story of Jesus. And it comes possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Living with a heart alive to God, living with a heart that welcomes and learns to release living with a heart that is daily being added to and living with a heart that says, you don't just get my heart, you get my home with it as well. Let's finish with this quote from Wimber. We'll keep reading it every week. We'll just keep reading it again. Intimacy with God leads to intimacy with one another. 
In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and his word. The priority of fellowship is all about the importance of relationships, actually doing them, operating relationally, sharing a common life. It means being family to one another in loving and caring relationships. We prioritise fellowship. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence among us this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have, you have so powerfully and so beautifully broken into our life with your kingdom. And you've called us out of the isolation and out of the darkness and out of the fragmentation and you've called us into your reconciling love. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, today I pray for the people of Jesus in this room right now that you would just like release your power, release your love, release your healing and your goodness and the power of invitation to follow you into living in the, in the life of you, Jesus, overflowing into koinonia, into fellowship. Lord, where we need to forgive, give us grace to do that. Where we need to um, go and ask for forgiveness towards others, give us grace for that, Lord. Give us courage, Holy Spirit. And I just pray a blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit over each and every one of us gathered here today. I release a blessing over you into the power of koinonia, of fellowship in the name of Jesus. And I bless your hearts to be open to receive each day who God is going to add to your life. The power and the miracles of seeing him take the few loaves of bread and the little bit of fish that we think we carry and God do exceedingly more to supply need for those he sends, be it our time, our energy and our resources. Oh God, thank you that you are doing a new work in our lives in this season. Thank you for the invitation of your Holy Spirit in this season to love the world like Jesus does. Thank you for the story of the early church and thank you that their story is our story too. In Jesus' mighty name and for his greater glory, we ask it. Amen.